0: Greetings and salutations. This is the Untitled Josh Cast, episode of number 55. My name is Josh Gershman. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-josh, Josh Hammond. Hello so enthusiastic welcome to our weekly podcast of pop culture news politics or whatever else we feel like talking about to interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff you can find us on both twitter and instagram at josh you can also catch us weekly on twitch at twitch.tv slash untitled josh if you would like to support the show you can subscribe to us on twitch using your amazon prime account or via a regular subscription, or on Patreon at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast. Now, back to the show. Uh, for the first time in a few weeks, the whole gang is here and back together, which is very exciting. Um, Josh, you were, of course, uh, on the IR a couple weeks ago for on your vaccine recovery. Um, last week, Iz didn't get to join us for our discussion of the Muppets, but now... Isis is here. You are here. Obviously, you just said hello. Lucy is also here. Hello, everybody. From me to you. Hi, how's it going? Hello. Hello. I had
1: to restrain myself and not do like a bleaker scream because I thought that that might <laughs> mess up the audio. But hello, everybody.
0: The reason we are all back together today is to reconvene post Oscars, which was last Sunday night. Uh oh god what's 24 times 7 however many hours ago that was from right now as we are recording this that's too much math for me it feels like it's a number in like the four or five hundreds but i'm not going to venture a guess 168 wow i was way off this is why <laughs> like this has got to be in like the high 150 160 so like 400 i was uh You know, I don't even know where I was going with that. It's warm. It's hot today in New York. Okay. And I can't think straight.
2: You also managed to read my calculator backwards. Uh, I thought you were going to say 861. I was going to be like, that's
0: not what I know. And in any event, seven days ago, the Oscars were airing and we were watching along as one does. And um, it was a time. The Oscars, of course, as you probably know, were delayed about a month and a half to two months. From where they usually are, everything everything this this year, award show-wise, has been delayed. Uh, the Golden Globes were delayed, so everything else was delayed following that, including the Screen Actors Guild Awards, and the, there's another one, and then the Oscars, obviously everything was pushed back. So anyway, so here we are. The last weekend of April was when it was aired. Now here we are in the first week of May doing our discussion of it. Um, having watched the show while we were doing other things, it was very, it was a very weird broadcast. I didn't know it at the time, but I found it afterwards. They, this The room they were in was somewhere at Union Station in Los Angeles, as opposed to the Dolby Theater, whatever big giant like theater they're usually at.
2: It was beautiful. And I also really loved the act, like the way the layout was, because it in some ways reminded me of the Golden Globes, but on a smaller scale.
0: Yeah. The Golden Globes, if you've never watched them on television, it's basically like a giant dinner party and then there also just happens to be a stage that people get up to present and then accept awards and there's lots of drinking and merriment and fun that ensues. The Oscars was very similar to that where people were sitting all like at little booth style tables um very reminiscent of the Golden Globes. It was a it was cool to look at. Uh, the venue, the room was beautiful, I'll give it that much. But it was a very strange telecast. It turns out I also did not know this at the time. It was directed, the Oscars this year were directed by Steven Soderbergh, the director of Ocean's Eleven and Traffic and other movies starring George Clooney. He's done can a bunch of- this,
2: Can I ask a stupid question? Are they normally yeah. directed by- No. other. Okay.
0: There's I don't a think guy. I've ever paid
2: attention to it.
0: No, it's usually like, I mean, I'm look, I'm going to be incredibly disrespectful because I don't know who he is, but I usually like, there's the, there's the TV crew who directs the Oscars. Um, There was this famous clip from like the 94 Oscars, the very beginning of the show and Cuba Gooding Jr. Wins his uh, best supporting actor Oscar. It's the first award in the show. And you see the clip of them in the control room. And this guy is like going, it's amazing. Um, It was going around last weekend uh, or like last Monday, really after the kind of low key ceremony from last weekend and any event. Um, it made for a very interesting television broadcast. Uh, we were very wrapped up in recording our 90 minute Ted talk about the Muppets when the Oscars started. So we missed the very beginning. Um, but other than Regina King and that amazing dress she was wearing, we got, we got into it, um, a little bit later. So I watched it, Lucy, I I know you watched along as well. Josh and Iz, did you have, did you, were you paying attention at all to the telecast last Sunday night?
3: In real time, no. I went back and watched it afterwards, but now I have to tell you that I didn't know anything about this, about this Ocean Eleven guy. And now I'm really disappointed (laughs) because like I really like Ocean's Eleven. And this is, there have been bad sequels to Ocean's Eleven. And this one was the worst one so far. Like
0: this, this was not well played. I like that that's the route we are taking is that the the Oscars now exist in the Ocean's 11 cinematic universe. And you know what? I'm here for it. Um, what else did, oh, Steven Soderbergh also directed Aaron Brockovich. Such
1: a How good movie. So good. And
0: went event, to my
3: college. Aaron Brockovich really? or
0: Julia Roberts? Aaron, Aaron Brockovich went to oh. my college. That's amazing.
2: I got really excited in the middle of that and accidentally hit my mic, so my
0: bad. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Moving on, Um, we were discussing the winners back and forth uh, while while we were watching and obviously like talking with uh, the whole group in our group chat about who was winning and who was losing. Um, We didn't really get into much of what else was happening during the show because there really wasn't much of a show. There wasn't a host this year, as they have done the past two years. I think there also was not a traditional host. Uh, Basically, after Ricky Gervais, they're like, yeah, we can't. They're like, we're not going to have a host. Um, for better or worse, they also did not have a host this year. It was just segments of things and leading into things and, uh, and the PA announcer announcing whatever was happening. Um, the other thing that was missing was any musical performances. That's usually something that's at least there to break up the show of the songs that are nominated for best original song, uh, generally get performed the night of the Oscars by the people who were performing them. Um. Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga famously singing. I can't remember the name of that song from I can't remember the name of that movie a couple years ago. Shallow from A Star Is Born. Thank you. See, I knew I knew it in my head. It just didn't make its way out of my mouth. But you were there to back me up. So I appreciate that. In any event, those are the kinds of things that also happened during the telecast that like it adds a little energy. Um, um, If you remember. If you remember Pharrell singing Happy from a couple of years ago with his giant hat and like Meryl Streep is dancing, it's a great time, generally speaking, when songs are being performed and sung live in front of a, an audience. So not at all I missing actually, like live performances. You would never know.
2: Go ahead. I actually sorry. looked this up because I was curious what the viewership was compared to last year. It says from Variety, it says this year's Oscars drew an average of 9.85 million viewers, which is down 58% from last year's, which was 23.6 yeah. million.
0: Yeah, not surprising given just everything, um, you know, the, that there wouldn't, be, there wouldn't be that big of a draw for a ceremony that wasn't happening in the way that it usually happens. But it's still the Oscars. It's still the capital O Oscars. It's still a big deal. And um, obviously we went through the trouble of making our picks and then keeping track of them so that we could have this discussion. Uh, all right. Speaking of our picks, let's get into it. We'll go through. So we picked there, are t- there were 23 Oscars given out on Oscar night. We only went through 20 categories. We did not include the shorts, animated short, documentary short and live action short. Those tend to be a little bit harder to find. I think some of them post award show pop up in various places. but. Since those have been harder for us to find, we skipped over those in our picks, but we'll go through the other 20 and then certainly give some hot takes and other reactions to things. Uh, I don't, I don't have a particular preference on where we start, whether we start with the big categories or whether we start with the kind of the supporting categories and technical categories. Uh, I think they're interesting thing, interesting things happened in each of them that we can certainly get into.
3: I think we should start by telling everybody that the New York times kicked our ass.
0: Yeah. Let's do that. That's a great point. So we did, if you remember back a few, many, many weeks, right. We did our golden globes picks just based on the trailers, which honestly that was a great strategy for us um, because we were all coming in with like a very level playing field. I think between the four of us, we'd seen maybe five movies. So it was great to come in with like that and that, that level of preparation between our doing our golden globes picks and having watched the Oscars. I watched a whole hell of a lot of movies, um, most of which I really enjoyed. Looking at you, George Clooney. Sorry, did not like your movie. Uh, Most of which I really enjoyed, and so that was fun to like catch up on all these. Also, this year was very unique in that most of these movies were available for streaming well before the Oscars. Only some of some of them are still not, um, or they're available for like a purchase slash rental. So we have our picks. What I did uh, before the night of, so this is maybe last Saturday, I went to the New York Times website and I found like their official picks, like the New York Times official picks of the Oscars. And out of the 20 categories, again, I didn't pay attention to the shorts. Out of their 20, they got 16 right, which is bananas. Like somebody should have put money down on the New York Times picks. Uh, spoiler alert, we did not do that well. We'll get into exactly where we scored later, but just... Ah, The New York Times. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there. But clearly they know how to pick Oscar winners. I think they cheated. You think they uh, you think they um, they coerced Ernst and Young or Pricewaterhouse Cooper or whatever the other two big accounting firms are to give them advanced information?
3: Yes. And actually, no. And here's why. I don't think they cheated because I don't think that the freaking Oscars even knew the
0: ending of their show. And we'll talk about that. Well, that's later. for damn sure. And we will absolutely get to that. Um, okay. Let's, let's do, let, let's start with some of the supporting categories. Cause I think we can go through some of those rather a little quicker. Um, and then we can, and then we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on the big ones. So I'm just going to read the winners of here of these first three animated feature documentary feature and international feature. Animated feature should have been over the moon. That is the hill I will continue to fight and die on should have been over the moon. It was a better movie than soul yet. Soul was the winner out of the four of us, Lucy, you were the only one that picked soul. So points to you for getting that one, right? Um, documentary feature. The winner was my octopus teacher with Josh. You had, and no one else did. So points for you for that one, uh, an international feature. I was just going to say, if you reference the other podcast, I knew nothing about this film. <laughs> but that's okay. You took an educated guess. You went with the octopus. Octopi are very smart. That was very good thinking on your behalf. You got eight hands. You can vote eight times. I don't there know. You, see? See? It's just deductive reasoning. Uh, international feature went to another round, which surprised me. Again, I love Mads Mikkelsen. And that was a movie that looked interesting to me, but all the reviews I read of it said how boring it was. So I'm like, all right, well, I haven't seen it. I'm, I can't make a judgment. It's on Hulu if you want to watch it. And I do plan to watch it. Uh, none of us got that right. None of us picked another round. It's also apparently rumored to being remade with Leonardo DiCaprio, which is just a terrible idea. I love Leo, but like make your own movie. Don't remake a movie that's already been made. Like no. this is like a, it's like a Hollywood washing of foreign movies when you remake them in English. Like, yeah, by Americans right. like just don't do that. Now, you, now not only do you have a foreign movie that's well liked, you have an award winning foreign movie that you're going to completely Oscar wa- or Hollywood wash and replace with all English speaking actors in America. Don't do that. Just watch this movie or that's maybe fair. just pay Mads Mickelson some money. I'm just saying.
3: I also believe even though I didn't vote for it, I think there should be justice for Shaun the
0: Sheep. OK. Isabella, your pick was Sean the Sheep. I don't mean to put you on the spot. But if you would like to uh, if you would like to defend Sean the Sheep, who you literally have in your hands right now, by all means. I
1: I literally just went and got my new Funko pop of Sean the Sheep, who I would like everyone at home to know is wearing a very cute knitted sweater. Um, Amazing. so that is all I have to say about Sean the Sheep. I will defend anything Wallace and Gromit related until the day I die. And I also want a matching um, knit sweater to match, Sean.
3: If this film had won, or TV series, I don't actually know what this was in this situation.
0: Well, this you would is have the Oscars, have... so it would have had to have been a film. It would film.
3: have been a film, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you would have had to have bought a new Funko Pop with a little straw the sheep holding his little tiny... Oh, old... my
0: God. Oh. What a missed oh. opportunity. Missed opportunity. a little,
1: like, consolation prize and put it in his... He has yes. sticks in his mouth. Maybe I could put a little, like, sticker.
0: Like Sean, miscongeniality for Sean the Sheep.
2: <laughs> but also, uh, Funko has done, in the past, I have one where they made a matching item to a pop. I received a Christmas gift last year that was a Home Alone Kevin McAllister pop, and he's wearing his winter beanie, and it came with a matching actual beanie that i have now so there's a chance that at some point they may make you a matching sweater
3: that's cute the one thing that i have to give the award to him for is best trust. that sweater is outstanding it
0: is quite cute he's great
1: modeling that shit
0: missed opportunity for the shawn the sheep hops to not have the oscar statue i agree moving on next three let's do sound score and original song all the audio categories uh for best sound it was sound of metal not un, totally unironic it was one of the fundamentals one of the best movies i've seen this year which i continue to tell everybody not the least of which the three of you who've we've all kind of agreed on that but i just continue to tell everybody who asks or quite frankly doesn't ask that it's been one of my favorite favorite films this year um it's use we talked about this probably when we did these picks or when we did the golden globes picks or not the picks but the Golden Globes. Um, reactions its use of sound is like by far and away that just outstanding and it rightly deserved to win this category uh it was also great that riz ahmed got to present this category um so it was that was a really cool touch
2: it was it was cute the way that he like turned to the camera to be like
0: we won it was great uh next is best score which soul was the winner uh, Josh, you and I, as well as Lucy, had picked Soul. Isabella picked Minari, which was a great choice. Really beautiful score in Minari, um, that it, you know, just really great. I liked the Tenet score uh, for the Golden Globes. I can't remember if it was even nominated for the Oscars, but that was my pick for the Golden Globes. Um, mostly because, well, one, I just like it, and Ludwig Gordonson, the composer of Black Panther and other things, was the uh, composer of it. So, shout out to Ludwig. Uh, and then for original song. The winner was Speak Now um, from Judas and the Black Messiah, a great song I had picked. Um, uh, wait, take it back. No. I was totally wrong. I said Speak Now because that was a New York Times pick. This was the first. This was one that New York Times got wrong. The winner was Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. My apologies. My pick was Speak Now, um, the Leslie Odom Jr. co-written song from One Night in Miami. Um, all of us got that wrong for what it's worth. We all had like the four of us had three different picks and we were all wrong. So there you go. That's going to happen sometimes. <clears throat> um, I was disappointed that if speak, if, uh, speak now didn't win that scene from, uh, life ahead also lost that was also criminally not nominated for best international feature. That was the movie with, uh, Sophia Loren, um, also one of my favorites from this year, really, really surprising, really I, I, something I did not see coming and probably wouldn't have watched if we weren't doing these kinds of episodes for the podcast. But I love that movie. It was really good, really beautiful. Moving on uh, three more technical ones, and then we'll get starting into the the bigger movie ones, uh, production design, costume design, and then makeup and hairstyling uh, production design went to Mink, which Lucy and I both picked. Uh Josh, you picked Tenant, which is another good choice. Uh, really, really stylishly looking movie. And is you picked Ma Rainey. Again, all good choices here. With these categories, like you're not gonna there's really no like bad nominees, especially in production design, which is like the look and feel of the movie and like set design and that kind of thing. Um really good picks, really good nominations in these categories.
3: All conventional wisdom went right out the window in these three categories because production, you never vote. Against Nolan. Yeah. Costume design, you never vote against England. Yeah, against an English period piece. Yeah. And hair and makeup. That film had so much makeup. I voted for Mank. There was hair up everywhere. Everyone was pale. I just, it's a conspiracy.
0: I wonder if, I wonder if that movie being in black and white was a disservice to the hair and makeup. That's
2: what I was, I, I I feel like it probably had to, I didn't see Mank, so I cannot judge this, but um, I, that's kind of what I would imagine too, mostly because like in Ma Rainey, like without that hair and makeup, it would not have felt the same whatsoever. I think with something that's from what I've seen from Mank. Hair, yes, I do, but I don't necessarily like. I think for Ma Rainey it needed to be both, and I think for something mm-hmm. like Mank, I'm curious if it because it was in black and white, like would it have made a difference
0: otherwise? Yeah. So know. for makeup, it was Ma Rainey again. Lucy and I had picked that one. Josh, as you mentioned, you picked Mank. Is you had Hillbilly Elegy, which again, like you have Glenn Close and Amy Adams not looking like movie stars. So I was just gonna say
3: that I think Is got there. screwed the hardest in this one because like that doesn't look anything like Amy Adams. Like it's
0: wild. Yeah, that's very much the point.
1: That's the exact reason. And I think I said that when we did our pre-Oscars one is I literally was like, I didn't realize it was her until I looked it up. And that is where my vote was. I think it's fair that I did so terribly on this whole thing, but I do think that was one of the redeeming ones I should (laughs) have gotten.
0: That's all right. Uh, And then costume design, we all got wrong. It went to Ma Rainey, which had very good costumes. Lucy, Josh, and I all picked Emma, which is just beautiful. Like again, how does an English period piece, a Jane Austen period piece, the costumes were incredible, um, just outstanding. Uh, that was a movie that I wasn't expecting. I, I, I didn't know what my expectations were. I Ended up loving. Like it's just, uh, it was so heartwarming. It's like going to the casino.
3: You never bet against Jane Austen. Yeah, I was I was so
2: shocked with this category when it won. I was like, wait, what did they did they mess this up? Like, not, like nothing against my rating because costumes and that were also very important. But like, I was just so shocked in comparison to something like Emma because time period, like Jane Austen, like it just, I don't get it.
0: It was very surprising. Perfect segue into the next five categories of more surprises and more twists and turns in store for this night at the Oscars. Um, I'm going to start on, on your screens. I'm going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Visual effects went to Tenet, which Josh, you and I, and Lucy at all had picked is you had Mulan, um, which was a good bet there. The other, I can't remember what the other nominees were. One of them was, uh, the George Clooney movie, which was just fine. People are going to think I have a problem with George Clooney. And I don't, I just, this movie does not respect your time. The midnight sky. All right. I watched it because the score is nominated and Alexander Desplat, who's already won two Oscars for said score for best original score, did the score. The score is great, but it's also nominated here. (sighs) The movie just does not respect your time. I like George Clooney, like Alexander Desplat. I don't like this movie. Moving on. Then was editing. Uh, Editing went to Sound of Metal, which is uh, you and I both had uh, again, one of the real like. One of the real gold stars for this film is in its editing in not just the live, excuse me, not just in the live music scenes of which there are criminally few, but in 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 all of the ways in which the movie is edited and it uses sound like it's sound and editing of the film were so intertwined that it had to win both categories. And it rightly rightfully did the one scene that I've talked about a million times is the scene at the dinner table early on in the film, when it goes back and forth from like it from, I almost said is from Riz's perspective um, as what he can or sort of hear at the time, uh, which is very little. And then you get room audio. So you get like the people banging on the table and you get the plates and the silverware. And it's, it's a remarkable scene. And it's like one of the first scenes in the movie that really takes your breath away. Because it's like, this is what this is what the movie is about now.
1: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I think I just thought it was so phenomenal and so interesting and well done. And I think we talked about it, but it just seemed like in every element of the movie, you could tell that it wasn't just like hearing people creating a movie about deaf people either. Mm-hmm. And I think that the editing and all of that
0: spoke to that, too.
3: And this is the point of the night in the spreadsheet where the Oscars go off the rails.
0: <laughs> well, rightly so. Uh, so it Luce, you had promising young woman in this category, which I have not seen. So I can't comment it on, but Josh, you had trial of Chicago seven, which was like one, running one in one a with sound of metal in terms of editing. Cause there's so much, there's so much happening in this movie, not just the courtroom scenes, which is like very well edited because courtrooms can be kind of dull, which is like why they don't always work on film or television. But the editing in this movie was really well done. And the scenes that take that lead up to the protests, all the stuff that happens in the street, all those kind of flashback scenes are all incredibly well done. And it doesn't feel out of place. You know, it, it's not jarring. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the U.S. versus Billy Holiday in a little bit and specifically with Andre Day. But like that movie is all over the place in terms of how it's edited. It's a, I love that movie. It was great. but. It's a it's a bit of a hot mess. Trial of Chicago 7, very more so more consistently edited.
3: That's fair. And I mean, and we talked about this last time. Like it's different than like the normal things you see from Sorkin. Like he didn't do Mm -hmm. his normal bullshit of like walk and talk. But I will say, and I think I have to admit, in fairness to Sound of Metal, I wanted to put that there. But having filled out the rest of my my bracket. This was the only spot I had left to actually put Aaron Sorkin in. And I thought our fans were going to be pissed off at me (laughs) if I didn't represent Aaron Sorkin at least one time. That's fair. So I was like, okay, it has to go here.
2: That was my same exact issue with Promising Young Woman. I wanted to put it somewhere because I felt like it needed to win something. But because I hadn't seen the movie, I didn't know what it could potentially win. So I was like, what? What could I put down? I don't know. In all hindsight, right. apparently I should have swapped it with the screenplay, but I didn't know.
0: Next is cinematography and Josh is mad. Me, I'm mad. That's Josh. I'm speaking about myself in the third person. The winner was land in my heart and like in the minds and bodies of, you know, the public. That movie is so beautifully shot. It is a crime against all that is holy that it did not win for best cinematography. The winner was Mank for some reason. Mank was a fine looking film, right? It looks very nice. It's like gloriously black and white. It's a film about uh, Citizen Kane, which is also like in gloriously black, gloriously in black and white. I get it. But it's not, it's not the same. Like you can't watch that movie. You can't watch Mank and watch Nomadland and think like, yes, the art of cinematography is moved forward by Mank. It's just not, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, this was one of the other, Categories that I was just very confused because it was it's the way that it's shot it's just so beautiful I don't
3: I don't <laughs> I'm get confused. it I think it's important that we point out that this is the only time I will ever know more than the New
0: York Times the New York Times had picked Nomadland you Josh correctly picked Meg so points for you Ah. <sighs> Now let's get into the screenplay categories. Um, I'll save I'll save the listening audience the trouble. Let you know that all four of us were wrong in both categories. For adapted screenplay, it went to The Father, which none of us have seen, and for original screenplay, it went to Promising Woman, which none of us have seen. Now that's not like that's not a negative against those films. It's just that they are not available for streaming and only available for rental, um, and thus we just have not seen them yet. I would like to see both of them. Uh, If I can get on my soapbox, my Star Trek-sized soapbox here for a second. Best adapted screenplay should have gone to One Night in Miami. Kemp Powers, who wrote the play, adapted his own play into the screenplay for One Night in Miami. Regina King directed the hell out of that movie. Everybody in that movie is great. It should have won. Kemp Powers also came on to write Soul, like in the middle of that process. He kind of like fixed it. That's like the general consensus of him being brought on uh, there. Hi, Peaks. There's a cat on the podcast. Him being brought on to kind of fix that movie a little bit. Kent Powers is also was just announced a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week as one of the new co-directors of the second Into the Spider-Verse movie, which is like super cool and exciting. But the most relevant piece for Josh here is that Kent Powers also wrote on season one of Star Trek Discovery. So just how cool is that? Um, I would have voted for him in this pick, even if he hadn't written for Star Trek. But, you know, I wasn't going to let that one lie. Uh, Josh, you and Lucy also went with One Night in Miami. So you get points from me for correctly picking One Night in Miami.
3: Well, I will say if we were picking our votes today, I would probably change my vote and I would probably vote for No Man and it's because i'm halfway through the book oh and i do think that it was adapted really well like i think they did a great job now that i have actually started to experience it so i don't know i think that i really do think
0: that my vote would be different if we did if we went down all right let me throw this at you so my not it's not my criticism of the screenplay of nomadland but my reaction to it is that it doesn't feel like a screenplay and I that I I mean that like as a compliment to the film. It doesn't feel like it was written down. It feels like Chloe Zhao showed up and shot all this material and she did a great job doing it. But it never felt like it had a script. And so like, no, I felt, think that's a compliment, but I wouldn't have awarded it for that.
2: It felt very much like a, just a documentary, like well, for the majority I, of the movie.
3: I think that's what's really interesting because reading the book, the book reads like... You're reading a New York Times article. Hmm. So for them to have taken that and turned it into a film that looks like a documentary that's not actually a documentary is pretty fucking brilliant if you think about it.
0: Fair. Full credit to that. Uh, original screenplay went to Promise Young Woman, which, like I said, none of none of us have seen. Um, Emerald Fennel. She, was she the creator of Killing Eve or just like the writer or producer on that show? She's somehow involved with Killing Eve, uh, which is another television program I have not seen. Um, But she's, she's a a well-regarded in the industry, as they say. Um, Josh, you picked Sound of Metal. Great choice in this category. Because it's the correct answer. I picked, uh, Lucy and I picked Trial of Chicago 7. I couldn't, I couldn't vote against Aaron Sorkin. Uh, This was the only sorkin pick for me of the night and lost and is you went with minari which again is another beautiful a beautiful screenplay um hard to vote against any of these in this in this category all right now we get into the big six the acting categories and then best director and best picture unlike the oscars we're going to do them in order starting with best supporting actress uh, it went to Yujung Yoon from Minari, which is just great. Like, I picked Olivia Coleman, as did Lucy. Um, it just seems like Olivia Coleman just generally wins things. So I was going to, I was hard to vote against her. But um, Minari is a great pick. The grandmother from Minari deserves all of the things. Uh, she was just so funny and charming when she gave her speech. It was just hilarious that. Brad Pitt, whose company produced the film, uh, was there to was the one presenting her with the award. And like the first thing she says when she got on stage was, "Where were you when we were filming?" It's just
2: (laughs) she was so cute. She was just wonderful. I do think this is one of those where um, after after we did the episode, I watched Minari. And also, I watched the SAG Awards, where she also won in, I believe, this category. And after watching the movie, I was like, okay, like based off of the trailer, I didn't think she really had all that much of a role. I wasn't, I had no idea. Um, And after watching it, I, not that I didn't disagree with what I had initially chosen. Uh, I haven't seen it, but Olivia Colman, like, again, you can't really go wrong. Um, But I understood it more and I probably would have switched it afterwards, especially because at the time, like they, M- Minari hadn't really won anything and then right. it was like SAG awards and everything else. And so it felt like there was a shift. And so I probably would have changed it, especially since they were getting some more love, which was well-deserved after I watched the movie.
0: Yeah. I say this with full irony that I voted for somebody whose movie I have not seen, but I stand by, I love Olivia Colman. So I stand by my my pick.
3: And she deserved to win alone for telling a journalist who asked her how Brad Pitt smells that she didn't sniff him. Like <laughs> totally the best answer of the night on the carpet. She like, was great. She said,
2: I'm she said, I'm not a dog.
0: Yep. She was she was fantastic. I was not mad about getting this one wrong because I was delighted that she won. Uh, okay. Best supporting actor is next. The winner was Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah. Lucy, you and I had picked that one correctly. Josh, you went with Leslie Odom Jr., which is another. That's a way to score points with me. I love Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, is you went with Paul Racy from Sound of Metal. Also, points in my heart for you for that. He's just so good in that movie, um, and like he is the heart of that movie. Riz is great. Riz is deserving of everything, but that movie is that movie doesn't happen without Paul Racy.
1: Completely. I didn't necessarily think he was going to win, but I was so like enamored by his performance and impressed mm-hmm. that I couldn't. I mean, I think we all know this, but my entire approach to this Oscars thing was who I wanted to win, not who I thought was going to sure. win. So I stand behind my
3: pick. Yeah, Gersh. I went with the same approach that you kind of wanted in life with this one, where like, yep, I put it out there for Leslie just because of the rivalry. I wanted him to have that the thing over you know, his bro that yeah, he doesn't have, I just was like, yeah, let's fuel this
0: rivalry. That would have been amazing. So like if, if, had Leslie Odom jr. Won either best supporting actor or for best original song, he would have the Oscar that Lin-Manuel Miranda does not get to have. And that just, it just makes me laugh. Um to Before the New you
2: go, before you go into the next one, I looked up the promising young woman thing. I couldn't click around my screen before Um Emerald. Fenel? Fenel? Fen- fennel, 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 Fennel. There you go. Um, she was one of the writers on Killing Eve. She also was one of the writers on The Crown, apparently, oh. or was on The Crown, something like that. Go ahead. Uh,
0: to the New York Times's credit, they had also correctly picked Daniel Kaluuya and Yujung Yoo Jeung Yoon for these best supporting uh, actor and actress categories. Um, they did not. They got both wrong for the lead actor and actress categories. The, we'll start with best actress. Uh, it went to Frances McDormand for Nomadland, which was fine. I think in the, in my, um, in my comments about that film, I feel very much the same way about the acting in the film I did about the writing is that the, it's a credit to the film that everything just seems to happen. Not by accident, but just like the cameras just happened to be on while they were filming the scenes in this movie. And I think that's a credit to the direction of the movie. And that's a credit to the cinematography of the movie. And to the editing, which I was probably nominated for. But I just did. not She was fine in the movie. She does a good job. I get what she's doing. There's loss. There's the thing with her husband. There's, you know, having to move around. There's the relationships that she's like fighting away. I get it. But she was not Andre day in the U.S. versus Billy Holiday, which she was amazing in. Not Viola Davis, who was the New York Times pick and who was my and a lot of ours pick when we did the Golden Globes. Um, I don't know. This was, is this why was, I just didn't get it. It's no disrespect was, to Frances McDormand. I just did not get this this win.
2: Yeah, I feel the same way for this one. I've had this, com- we've had this conversation. We had this like a week or so ago uh, when this happened. Um, it. It confused me because, again, no discredit to her whatsoever. I, I thought she was great in the film. But I think compared to some of the other actors in this category, like it just Andre Day literally plays a character for different decades of her life, whereas Frances McDormand did one character, which again is fine. There's like that's how most movies are. Um, but for a very short period of time and there wasn't a lot of dialogue. There wasn't a lot that made me felt feel like I was watching a character progress in a lot of ways that I think in a lot of other movies would make me go, that's that's an incredible performance. I was just kind of I was a little taken aback. I thought she was good in it, but I compared to Andre Day, I was just really shocked. And Viola Davis, but more so Andre yeah. Day.
0: Yeah, I remember when we did our Golden Globes picks, uh, I think a lot of us had picked Viola Davis, again, just based on trailers alone, then Underday won, um, which having then seen both films, I agreed with. And so I then I switched my pick to Underday for the Oscars, thinking that that would have, you know, kind of that momentum would have carried her through. But alas, it was not to be. Then let's talk about Best Actor. The winner was Anthony Hopkins, who I picked for the Golden Globes, um, based on not having seen the film, and I still haven't. The New York Times picked Chadwick Boseman, who won the Golden Globe, uh, and I know Lucy. I think you had picked him for the Golden Globes, maybe a couple of other you had as well. I I certainly didn't. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting it, but then he won there, and then won again at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, and then so it was just it just seemed like. It just seemed like it was fated to happen again here at the Oscars. Uh, I remember watching that movie, Ma Rainey, and there's a scene early as Sean, where he and the other band members are in the basement in like the practice room. And he gets into like a really deep, really super serious monologue. But at the very beginning of the monologue, he's, he's hilarious. Like he tells a joke. And I remember Lucy, you and I were chatting about this and I was like, I wasn't expecting this movie to be so funny. And like, as soon as I hit send it, that conversation turns right around. And I was like, mm, okay, never mind. But like, that's yeah, a cre- was, credit to that performance.
2: Yeah. And I've, we talked about this the other day um, as well. And part of it is that the movie at the beginning was fine and he gets to that monologue and it just shifts everything. Like yep. that was a performance that I was not expecting to be so good. Considering the the first part of it, I was like, okay, like what's going to happen? This is this is all right. And then he he had that moment, and it really was a great moment for him.
0: It was clearly like I you know had this been a normal Academy Awards season, had Chadwick Boseman not died. That would have been a clip that would have played on like every talk show, every pre-show about the Oscars. Like the the clip for why he should win this Oscar would have been that monologue in that movie or in the earlier part of that movie. That's and uh,
3: yeah, that, that I mean, that quote is great. Like it really is. The monologue was really, really strong, but no disrespect to him. Everyone got it wrong, including the Oscars, including the New York Times, including us. Because Alan S. Kim should have won this award.
0: You're not wrong. Alan S. Kim from Inari, he plays a supporting role in the movie. But let's be honest, he's the lead actor in our hearts. That kid, he's going places. Did you know? I mean, I I think you probably did. He went to, he like had to walk his dog before going to the Oscars. So like there's this adorable photos of him in his tuxedo walking. It's just, oh God.
1: I feel like supporting is an understatement i i feel like it, it was not simply support it was made also his outfit he wore yep. the cutest little outfit i can't i
2: the supporting I a, go ahead well the supporting title was also a big discussion when it came to this category in general because of uh daniel kalua no wrong one yeah no you're uh,
0: right, a, you're, supporting you're right actor it's yeah him and lakeith stanfield both nominated in the same category for Judas and the Black Messiah.
2: Yeah. And so everyone was confused on how, like, what qualifies as a supporting actor versus just the actor, like the the lead actor in the movie. And I think he is the perfect example of that because he was so good in Minari I where mean, he was not a supporting actor. I
3: think that's just the same manipulation of putting... A rock band in the folk category, so that they don't have to compete against somebody else. Like yeah. they didn't want
0: them to have to compete against Chadwick, is all that is. Oh. um, let's see. Lucy, you and I had picked Chadwick Boseman. Is you picked Stephen Ewan from Anari again, who's great in that film? Uh, And Josh, you had picked Riz Ahmed from The Sound of Metal, who I would give all the awards to. He's just so good in that movie, and. Had he won, I would have lost my mind. I wouldn't I would not have been more happy to be wrong if there had been some like some crazy surprise that he wins best actor. I would have lost it. But he did not. Anthony Hopkins, meanwhile, get this shit about Anthony Hopkins. So people were like, why isn't he at the Oscars? Well, it turns out he's like 83 and lives in Wales and didn't want to travel anywhere anywhere. Right. Like the Oscars, if you watch it on television, they had the live broadcast in L.A. And then they had at least one or two uh, satellite locations in the U.K. In I think there were two in London. And then Sasha Baron Cohen was in Australia for some reason. Um, Anthony Hopkins apparently asked if he could zoom in to the Oscars and they said no. They told an 83 year old man no. How do you do that? So then it was incredibly embarrassing and awkward when Joaquin Phoenix is like, and the winner is Anthony Hopkins, who's not here. Oh, and also, can we let's take a moment to talk about the Oscars decision to move best actor to the end of the night and move best picture up one. So that they could give this honorary Oscar, not, honorary, I don't mean it that way. So they could honor Chadwick Boseman with best actor at the end of the night. And that would have been like the perfect send off for him and for the night and for that film.
3: Some old white dude lost his job. Over <laughs> that.
1: No, no. White men don't lose their job, even for important things. Oh so no, they
3: do if so, they change a hundred years of formatting of an award show for a spectacular moment that didn't
1: happen. I'll bet you five bucks he didn't get fired. That's all I have yeah. to say.
3: Well white people
0: definitely won in those two categories, so the following morning, there's this adorable video from Anthony Hopkins in Wales accepting the award and being like so gracious and kind and charming, and saying that he did not expect it, which I fully believe that he did not expect to win. um
3: it's because he's not dumb, he's talented, but he's not dumb
0: also, like he would have made the effort to be awake at four a m Wales time. I don't know if my time is right. To zoom in for the Oscars. And they said, no, you can't zoom in. What nonsense is that? I would fire somebody over that. And deservedly so.
3: Do you think Anthony Hopkins was in bed when he won his award? Do you think he was just like "fuck it, I'm not watching this"? And he like yes, woke up. Yes, I absolutely he woke, do. He woke up the next day. He had no idea. He was like making his like English muffin and coffee. Yeah. And he sit down, reading the fucking New York Times like a normal person, just yeah. to recap. And he was like, "Wait, what the fuck? That's me!" And had to like call somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I, I absolutely believe that's what happened. I think that's how it happened too. I do. I uh, this sorry, go ahead.
2: I actually looked this up. Um, apparently, his agent told people that he was at home asleep and completely unaware he won the Oscar. Yeah, because it was it was in fact four o'clock in the morning, and his agent was the one who woke him
0: up to tell him the news. Don't wake up an eighty three year old man in the middle of the night. What are you t- okay, okay.
2: To be, it doesn't specify what time, but it says he was asleep at four in the morning when you know I woke up to tell him the news.
0: Then that's <laughs> so bad. Ed, that's bad editing on people's behalf. All right, they should have <laughs> clarified because it's not nice to wake up old people in the middle of the night.
1: Is it nice to wake up anybody in the middle of the night?
0: It's not.
3: It's really not. Okay. I think so- it depends on if it's an emergency. I feel like this is being aimed at me. What? I don't know. Of the four of us in this group, I am the one that would call all of you at 4 a.m. not realizing that
0: it was 4 a.m. If you had won an Oscar, I would have forgiven you and then gone back to sleep.
2: I was about to say, I feel like I would be that person because I've literally (laughs) done similar things before. okay that's you
1: can fair. tell how little i know about pop culture when the things that i'm thinking about in this conversation are how privileged some people are to fall back asleep versus not and if it's really an ageist comment about sleep patterns <laughs> so yeah there's my social science take on everything.
0: i don't know what to do with that
3: uh, um i think gersh is the only one of the four of us that has like a normal sleep pattern so
0: that would be correct
1: I value Gersh's sleep more than mine.
0: <laughs> um, also, it's unlikely I would have woken up if you called me at 4 a.m.
1: I feel passionate about do not disturb, but we could have that conversation on another episode.
3: <laughs> it's also unlikely that any of us will ever receive a call at four in the morning because we've won an Oscar.
2: Oh yeah. Highly unlikely. I was I was waiting to see where you're gonna go with that. I was like four o'clock in the morning. Maybe oh Oscar, no.
0: No. We could have a whole episode about what 4am calls we would take because mine are very specific and they involve star trek
1: i think we could have a whole episode and that could include things like do you turn do not disturb on or will you accept calls even not even like which ones but in general where
2: are your principles there's a lot i've i've never once turned on do not disturb are you kidding
3: you guys heard it you guys save it. Save it. You guys heard it here first. Next week's episode is what you would take
0: phone calls for. I love it. love it. OK, moving on. Let's talk about best director, shall we? The winner was Nomadland, which is what the New York Times picked. And it's what Josh, you and I and Lucy all picked is you picked Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, which is a great choice. He won something and he was just adorable.
1: Minari deserved so much more than it got. And I was just rooting for it the whole time.
0: Uh, Again, this is so Chloe Zhao's director of Nomadland, I think, did a great job directing this movie, very much looking like the best looking documentary you've ever seen. Uh, I think that's to her credit and to Joshua. I can't remember what the cinematographer's name is. It's Joshua or something. So, like, I was clearly going to vote for him. But it's a great she She did a great job directing this movie. I'm really fascinated now to see. The Eternals, the Marvel movie that's coming out later this year, because she was working on both these movies at the same time. And apparently she built like some camera rig for Nomadland. And it's like kind of a handheld thing, kind of like a steadicam thing to get the kinds of shots she gets in that movie. There's a lot of action in air quotes and then with the lowercase a that takes place in vehicles so like in a moving vehicle there's only so much you can move the camera around and that's like where this rig that she builds comes into play as well as other scenes too and apparently she used this same rig to shoot Eternals so now we're going to have a Marvel movie like a big superhero spectacular that's going to span like 7,000 years that's going to look like Nomadland which I am very excited about
2: was were you looking for the cinematographer's name for the movie?
0: Yeah, Joshua head? something.
2: It's Joshua James Richards. Thank you.
3: I thought you were asking me because you could see
0: me scrolling through my phone. I was like, <laughs> no, no, I was
3: looking for Marissa's tweet.
0: Uh, yes, Marissa, so, friend of the pod, not I a fan did. of this movie. Um, I, and that's OK. All right. Last but not least, or in the Oscars case, not last was Best Picture. The winner here was also Nomadland, which is what the New York Times had picked and what Lucy and I had picked. This was a category that I feel like I wouldn't have been surprised if anything else won. Josh's, yours pick was Minari, Iz's yours was Sound of Metal. I would have been over the moon, um, had over the moon won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature or (laughs) either of these movies. I'm not letting that go. I will never let that go. Had any other of these other other of these movies won for Best Picture? I thought like Judas and the Black Messiah was so well received that could have won. That could have snuck in. Um, Trial of Chicago Seven, Minari, both completely shut out of the Oscars. By the way, those could have those could have fit in here. Um, so many good options. But I remember when we did our Golden Globes picks that I think this was my pick and uh, probably a couple of other others for best picture drama, just watching the trailer and then actually seeing the film, this one felt the most like current, like it was like the most current film of our time. That's the kind of thing that tends to win awards. So I picked it for the golden globes and it won. And I having watched it picked it here. Cause I just felt like that was going to win, but would not have been surprised and certainly would not have been upset had Minari or Sound of Metal or Judas and the Black Messiah or any of these other films won, really. So
3: that silence you guys hear. That's all of us mourning the death of the better films
0: this season. Honestly, this was such a weird year for movies because it wasn't even that. It was like a weird 14 months for movies. Uh, Because of things getting extended and things being available for streaming and, you know, I think next year, next year's Oscars and next year's award season will be similarly strange, but a little more back to normal um, in that movie, more movies will be only in theaters and they won't be on streaming until like this time next year, like well after the award show. So like the availability of movies is going to change between now and 10 months from now when we do this all over again. It's going to be so weird. I can't like, there are movies I would see in theaters, not today, but like coming up that I'm like, yeah, I want to see that in a theater, but I'm just as happy to watch it on my television or on my computer or sometimes Christopher Nolan on my phone. All right. Deal with that. It's going to happen. It's just going to be very strange. I think movies, I think, I hope what I think is going to happen is nothing. And we'll have to go to theaters if you want to watch movies. What I want to happen is for like Hollywood to understand that none of us want to leave our houses anymore, that we like staying home and we can watch movies at home and we'll pay for them.
1: And you don't have to put candy in your purse and hide it when you go into the movie theater. It's like a win win.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But I still do just for fun. No,
1: we all well, do. It's, Wait, it's a hard you, habit you to break. Candy in your purse when we watch yeah. it on the couch.
0: Yeah. what um all right quick question for the group what is your movie theater candy go to Reese's Pieces nice Milk Duds nice Lucy
2: so two if I'm getting popcorn from the theater then also like M&M's or something Mm -hmm. if not then um Sour Patch Kids
1: Hamcat, did you really just like drop your head because Lucy had multiple different pathways because I, just, I also it, have
3: that kind of... It made me laugh because I was like straightforward. And you were like straightforward. And Lucy was like, no. I have some asterisks. <laughs> no, that's the thing.
1: Mine wasn't straightforward. I just cut myself off. Like literally I started eating milk duds in movie theaters because I had braces and I had to eat them slowly so I didn't mm-hmm. rip off braces. Otherwise I could eat a box of candy in like the first 10 minutes. So
2: mine is more of like the popcorn and chocolate is what I eat when I'm at home, when I'm watching yeah. a movie. So if I'm going to be in a theater, if I'm going to pay for the popcorn, I want to have fair. chocolate. If I'm That's sneaking fair. shit in, no, it's going to be Sour Patch Kids or like uh, gummy worms. Mm, good pick.
0: Excellent pick. So I don't like movie theater popcorn, which is not a fan. I like popcorn at home. If somebody next to me has popcorn, I will eat it, but it's not my favorite. My go-tos are Goobers, Love Me a Chocolate Covered Peanut, and Twizzlers. I just like <gasps> Twizzlers. Being, I just I don't know. I, I don't really eat Twizzlers unless I'm at the movies. I don't know. Something about it. I just like like the long licorice chewiness of Twizzlers. As really someone. quick
1: aside, do you like to peel them? Like, do you like the peel ones or are you like OG Twizzlers? Only? Not a
0: fan, not a fan of the Twizzler uh, string, whatever that one was called. Mm-hmm it's um, like the
1: polar peel or something yeah, yeah. i'm an
0: og twizzler for me that's well, right. because a, they're
3: different flavors well,
1: yeah. there's a cherry for the the pole and then the strawberry for the og yeah. yes
3: and two gersh you're not wrong because as someone who worked at a movie theater for over five years you should not put that <laughs> shit in your body that is also fair fair that's fair um, um before we sign off i yes. have a small list of things Some of the 2022 films
0: that people believe will be up for Oscars. Wait, sorry, Uh, just as a quick correction. Do you mean 2021 films in 2022? Yes. Okay. Yes.
3: Um, Annette is a film that's coming out on Amazon that has gotten a lot of conversation already. Uh, Blonde is going to be a Netflix film. It's based off of a Joyce Carol Oates book by the same name um canterbury glass is something that people are talking about it's going to have christian bale and margot robbie and robert de niro in it as well as uh ramey which is pretty cool um there's a lot of talk about come on come on which is going to have joaquin phoenix in it uh the curier which has benedict cumberbatch which is fun to say Uh, Don't Look Up is on the list. It is a film with Leo, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, a bunch of other people you
0: know. Jesus, this cast is deep. Directed by Adam Uh, McKay, who's uh, directed quite a few pretty big movies. Jonah um, Hill, uh, isn't that? Wow.
3: Olivia Wilde is directing a film called Don't Worry, Darling that is getting a lot of buzz. Um, this list goes on a lot. I'm not going to read all of this list. We'll start there. Apparently there is two different Benedict Cumberbatch films that are being talked about because the electrical life of Lewis Wayne is also getting some love. Um, Lucy, for you, I'm going to read one Disney film. Apparently Eternals is supposed to be something that people are very excited about.
0: That's the Chloe Zhao Marvel movie. It is. Uh, the, the, The first one, Annette stars um, Adam Driver. So you had me at Adam Driver.
3: I wasn't going to go any deeper, but just out of spite for Marissa's rant the other day, The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson is getting a lot of buzz as well.
0: Is Annette the movie that also has Lady Gaga in it? There are like these adorable photos with Adam Driver and Lady Gaga, and I don't know if it's from a movie
2: No, I think it's, I think it's supposed to be from like a Gucci campaign or some sort of campaign.
0: I would love to see them in a movie together, but this Mm -hmm. is Adam Driver and Marion Cotard in Annette.
3: Yes, Uh, a a stand-up comedian and his opera singer wife have a two-year-old daughter with a surprising gift. I bet she's a Jedi. Uh, She's definitely (laughs) a Jedi.
2: Um. One last thing before we also end. uh, Since he mentioned, since Josh mentioned rants, did I don't know if necessarily something you guys want to talk about, but did you see the statement from Trump about this, about the Oscars? About the Oscars, I did not. No, I try not (laughs) to.
1: I'm sorry. No, no, that's not a word. I try not to pay attention to anything that
3: man says anymore.
2: Dump him. I thought it was ridiculous, which is the only reason why I thought I'd bring it up, but. It's fine. We don't need to discuss it.
1: I have an announcement. I found a Trump shirt while thrifting and I was like, can I burn it? That's (laughs) why I reacted
3: to you. I did not let her take it out of the store. I have an announcement and it's for everybody here. Yes. Also on this list, there's a film called Last Night in Soho, directed by the one and only Edgar Wright. Yes. Also,
2: Um, I'd assume that like in the Heights or something also would have to be at some point for next year's.
0: I hope so. I mean, like that. Okay, before we sign off, let's take a moment to talk about a little bit of awkwardness at the Oscars. So. um, Oh, God, hang on. Uh, What's going to come to me?
3: While you think about that. Yeah, keep talking. I'm really excited that I've just discovered that there's a film called the tragedy of Macbeth on this list. And it is going to be directed by Joel Cohen. I am all about another
0: Cohen brother film. Fascinating. Um, I was trying to think of Questlove. His name was on the tip of my tongue. He was like the, he was like the band at the Oscars. Uh, and he is directing a documentary that's coming out this year, which looked really fascinating. Um, But what they did during the Oscars is they had like these kind of weird, awkward moments of people introducing movies that were coming out. And so so they had specifically about West Side Story, which is apparently being remade. Or, I mean, it's already been made, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, which is interesting. I don't know that we need another West Side Story. Uh, But I was just
3: going to say that it's weird that Steven Spielberg would even be involved in that.
0: The dude is involved in everything.
2: He was really hands on with it, too. I've mentioned this before in our streams, but the the girl who plays Maria in it, he was like one of the people to like hand select her for the role. Like so he was big on the entire process for that movie. If I may,
0: it's possible Steven Spielberg is looking for a little bit of post Ready Player One Redemption.
3: It's also possible that because Steven Spielberg was so big when we were kids that he's owned by Disney and he's like an animatronic figure now. Like,
0: I'm not convinced that he's a lot. I don't know what to do with that information other than to move on and say the other movie that they did this for was like Lin-Manuel Miranda was like, hi, here's In the Heights, which again, In the Heights comes out in June or July. I cannot wait. I love that. Musical. I never got to see it on Broadway, but I've listened to the soundtrack. I don't know. Seven or eight hundred times. It's great. I love it. It hits in a it hits in a very different way than Hamilton does. Um, And like if you like Hamilton, you will obviously recognize the musical similarities in another show that Lin-Manuel Miranda was all over. Um, And he obviously was a big part of the movie, too. The movie is actually one of the first me one of the first Harvey Weinstein success stories because the movie rights were bought by Miramax way back in the day. And then even before, before Harvey Weinstein, like before the legal stuff started to happen, Lynn manuel Miranda and Kiara Hood. I don't know. I don't know how to say her name. Kiara Hood is the co-writer of the musical and of the movie. The two of them is, pro- I'm sure with some other people were like trying to get the rights to the film back and then like all this, uh, then like rightly so all this court stuff started to happen and they were able to like get the rights to the film back and actually get it made um i can't i can't wait to see it oh i can't wait i'm very they, re- God. they released last week the new version of the of the of the uh the title slash intro song of the musical um which is just called in the heights it's the song that opens the musical and it's will likely be the song that opens the film. Uh and Anthony Ramos who was in Hamilton um as Philip Lawrence and uh No, John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton. Um he plays Usnavi, the role that Lin-Manuel Miranda was in in the uh the first running of the musical. And anyway, so it's like his version of the song and like the song is different. Um it's, you know, b- b- they changed it a little bit. Also parts of the movie had to be changed. Speaking of that person's name, who we won't have to bring up his, he is name dropped in the musical. Um, But again, that was like a, that was a very different time. That was a very different universe we were all living in. And so they clearly have taken that out. I can't remember who they put in, in his place. I can't remember. We'll find out when in June or July, but that's a movie like, that's a movie that I would hope is nominated or at least represented somewhere in award season next year.
2: Yeah. I'm really excited to see both of those movies.
0: All right. Any final thoughts? The Broadway
3: play West side story is younger than Steven Spielberg.
0: That's That's all I've got. It surprised me. Um, Jews in Hollywood tend to live a long time. Like we, I don't want to give away any secrets, but we've got some connections. I mean, I can't
3: disrespect him. He helped create my favorite series of all time,
0: but I was surprised. I think my final thought is how... Why, why they thought it was a good idea just to like utterly disrespect Anthony Hopkins. Like uh, clearly this is a, a, a year and a half in which like the entire world has been turned upside down. You couldn't have made one accommodation for him to be on zoom at the Oscars. Like zoom, like that, that we have all accepted for a a temporary time that video quality on television is going to suffer. Like interviews are now, it's very rare that an interview is in person. Talk shows and late night shows have have done virtually largely virtual interviews. That's been the norm, not the exception. All of the other award shows this year, I think all of them have it generally virtual. Certainly for the Screen Actors Guild, I remember like the, they actually did a really cool thing in which they put two categories where the people on screen at the same time, which I thought was like really interesting um, and actually made for some interesting viewing.
2: It seemed a lot, it seemed to go a lot smoother than when the Golden Globes were happening. And it was just like really sweet to see everyone's reactions to somebody else winning.
0: Yeah.
3: And everyone with their families. It was cute.
0: (sighs) How could they do that to Anthony Hopkins? That's my big takeaway of the night.
3: Also, are you just are you not paying attention because like he played Hannibal Lecter and he played the doctor in Westworld? Like he'll fuck you up, like
0: show some respect. Is Lucy any um, any final thoughts you want to share with our audience?
1: Stay hydrated, friends. We'll see you next week. It's good. So I watch over the moon.
0: What's yeah, that? watch over the moon. It's really good. Should have won for best animated feature. I will never not, I will never let that go.
3: And Alan S. Kim is answering fan mail by the mail. So mail that kid a letter. Oh my god,
0: I can't that's wait. Horrible. I cannot wait for. I can't wait for Alan S. Kim to get like too famous for us. He liked our post on Instagram. Like that's the level of, well, I mean that just shows how big we are on Instagram. That Alan S. Kim was like until Josh Cast knows what's up. Follow I, us on Instagram. Follow like us on Instagram the, at Josh Caspot.
3: I like the spin there. You did a good job of you, repositioning that.
0: All right, friends. Uh this has been our Oscar recap. Uh I can't wait for us to do this again in 10 months and Oscar and do award season 2022. Um and for us to go into it once again, not having watched any movies, and we'll just spend a day watching trailers and be like, this is what I think is gonna win. Um Maybe by that point, we'll have watched more of the movies we haven't watched from this year, if they ever come out on streaming services. Until then, watch more movies at home, even on your phone. Christopher Nolan is a curmudgeon, but you can watch movies on your phone. It's totally fine. Goodbye. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you happen to listen. Those things would really help us out. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at JoshCastPod and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman, and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me, and it is produced by Isabella Stade and Lucy Benetti. The podcast intro music is Gemini by Alki, and the outro music is Cautious by Amorosa. Both appear on the Untitled JoshCast with permission from the artists. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled JoshCast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.